I'm soaking up vitamin D right now on this gorgeous day. Blue skies, the sun in my back. It's a bit chilly, it's still winter, but this is really nice compared to a couple of days ago when it was raining. And then before that, we had a couple of days of snow, freezing temperatures. Nothing, of course, as bad as in some parts of the United States right now, Canada, where it is colder than it's ever been. But I'm, I'm glad that uh, most of the snow is gone now and that the sun is back. I'm, I'm really longing for springtime. I don't know about you, but I can't wait for temperatures to go up again and especially for the sun to get stronger again. It affects my mood. It affects my energy levels. And uh, even though I've been uh, taking some extra vitamin D supplements uh, throughout this winter, the real deal... You know, you can't replace that with supplements. So I'm glad to be recording this episode of The Walk in uh, my old neighborhood. This is where I used to live. And I'm heading for the park where I've recorded countless episodes of, of The Walk. Lots of people on bikes. When the weather is good, the Dutch want to step on their bike. We are the country with the most bikes per, per inhabitant. We have more bikes in the Netherlands than people. And uh, I just was passed by uh, an older white male <laughs> Dutch person who was coaching uh, a younger woman, uh, clearly an immigrant or a refugee, uh, who was still a bit insecure on the bike. And so I guess that's one of the countless people uh, in the Netherlands that is volunteering to help immigrants and help refugees to, um, to make their way in the Netherlands and to get to know the things that you need to survive in this country. One of which, of course, is to ride a bike. And so he was supporting her her back while she was uh, trying to uh, navigate the, the busy traffic, the other bikes that were surrounding her. And he was coaching her in English. And I, I love it when I see that, when, you know, an older generation helps a younger generation. That's already great. But in this case, it is uh, one of my fellow Dutchman that is helping other people to feel at home here and to have buddies, to have friends that can help them integrate. And there's a lot of that happening in my country. And I think that's an example for, um, for many other countries, and I'm proud of that. A gorgeous day um, after a, a, a very snotty weekend. <laughs> you may still be able to detect in my voice a little bit of the cold the common cold that uh, hit me hard this weekend. It started uh, right after Thursday, actually. On Thursday, we uh, launched our Dutch Catholic channel, uh, which was a uh, well, definitely one of the most exciting projects of uh, of this new year, <laughs> which is only a few weeks old. I'm really proud of what we've been able to pull off. Um, I'll, I'll uh, tell you a little bit more about uh, that launch later on. But it was also a very uh, tough week. But all the all the the first this whole first month of the new year has been a lot harder than I hoped it would be. Normally January is like you know let's chill. We've we've celebrated Christmas and all all the festivities are over and the Christmas tree is back to the attic and now it's time for the dreary kind of slow moving January and we're just waiting for springtime and in my case 
It was, oh, it's January. Let's do what we normally do in three months. Let's put it in two weeks. That's how it felt. So I worked very hard last week. And, uh, and then I think it's just a combination. It's, there is a, there is a uh, flu and influenza epidemic currently making the rounds. And a lot of other people are coughing. And, and so I've been uh, working with people. And we've been in all sorts of places last week. So you're bound to catch something. And that hit, hit me hard on Friday and was really bad on Saturday. So bad that I stayed in bed and I, I canceled all my appointments for that day. Hoping that by Sunday I'd be back on my feet. Because as you know, I'm one of the very few priests that is still active in this, in this area. And uh, if I'm too sick to celebrate Mass, um, there are two parishes, two parish churches... Um, and, and a total of about 300, 350 people that will suffer the consequences that they won't have mass. So I always feel this pressure of, you know, it's, it's like moms, actually. Not that I've ever been a mom, but it's what I sometimes hear. You have the right to feel sick, but you can't be sick. <laughs> and that's exactly it. I mean, I may feel pretty terrible. I still, on Sunday morning, uh, wasn't... Uh, wasn't fully, you know, better, but I was, I was, I had energy enough to survive. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But I felt like normally, if I this was a regular job, I would would have called in sick. I said, yeah, it's, I, I just need some time to recover. But since I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not a normal employee. Like, okay, I'll just have to survive until twelve o'clock, and then I go back to bed. But it turns out that wasn't necessary. Uh, the worst was uh, on Saturday, and uh, fortunately for me, it wasn't influenza. It wasn't the flu. Definitely just a regular common cold. But common cold also has like this peak day where you just want to sleep. <laughs> and uh, that was Saturday. So thankfully, the, the the only downside is you don't have a weekend when you're sick. You don't really recover. But on Monday, I was back at at, uh, at my job, and this morning was already very busy with uh, a meeting and also uh, recorded my, my podcasts. It was the first thing I did in the morning. So uh, I feel like that I've already done a day's work and it's only, we're only halfway through. Um, but I'm still pretty happy with what we've been able to pull off despite my own uh, shortcomings when it comes to energy and stress level management. Um, it was it was a risky time, as I shared with you before. Um, you always have to be super careful that if you if the work piles up and it becomes too much and it's too overwhelming and you're no longer in control, uh, but your life is ruled by other people's agendas and deadlines, then you know that's the road, the the golden road to burnout. Um, but I think I've I've had the worst, and being able to to launch this Catholic channel and. Uh, Seeing the positive response, it gives me a tremendous amount of new energy and, uh, and confidence. That, 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 I mean, that's all about motivation, ultimately. It's all uh, happening in my brain in a certain way. And uh, this is where I want it to be. And even though the launch did cost me a lot of energy, it, it was in a certain way I, I, I gladly sacrificed uh, my time and my energy to uh, to the cause. Um, briefly, because I've already summarized this on 
my weekly podcast, my other weekly podcast as well. Um, we uh, launched this channel, which wants to forge new a new community among younger younger generation of Catholics, not just exclusively young people, but let's say that the generation that currently carries the church and will carry it in the future. And the programs that we make are just a way to to bring them together and to have a, to create a common experience, a common language. So we do, we do a weekly Pope Vatican video, just a short news update. And uh, we have a new employee, a new team member who is presenting that. So I've decided to not be in front of the cameras for this new project. And that, that too is just to, you know, let me do my thing. And if we want to do, if we want to add new projects, we also need to add new people. We need to invest to grow instead of constantly burning the candle at both ends. So I'm very glad that we are there now. We have two new team members. And uh, the second thing that we do is we create, uh, we, uh, we do a, a weekly talk show. I call it a talk show, but it's basically a podcast with a webcam. <laughs> but we record it on location and we interview people, um, the guests, we have a film segment. We're thinking about some more things that we can do content-wise. And it's, it's so much fun. It's such a who to be able to go to a parish and, uh, and involve the local community in the, the actual production of, of the content. So it, it basically cuts both ways. It's, and for us, a way to gather stories and to create something that you can't create in front of a green screen in your studio. And the second advantage is we can involve the local parishioners um, and they can help us. They can, uh, if, if they love what they see and they want us to continue, then you have a very good proposition for them to become a member uh, of the community that supports us also financially. So that's kind of our hope that we'll be able to grow literally by going to to those communities and building up the, this entire channel and its community from the ground up. And, well, with podcasting, I've had that experience. It took a long time. <laughs> That's the difference. We need and want to grow much faster than I've ever grown before. But I always tell myself the reason that we, we took it easy with podcasting was that we were still learning and discovering and we were doing what we did with a very limited amount of resources and people. But when now we're at a point where we can invest more, and so the, it yields faster and better results. So we're getting there. This is going to be a, a big year for us, and, and an exciting year. Of course, when you do something like that, things go wrong, as I mentioned in my other show. Uh, like everything, basically, technically, that could go wrong, did go wrong. Uh, but... I think it was, in hindsight, I mean, when, when things go wrong, you do feel pretty bad and I'm frustrated and stressed out. But in hindsight, I'm thinking, you know, it's part of the, it's part of, you know, no guts, no, no programs. <laughs> you sometimes have to just fail or fail partially because that's when you learn the most. That's when you discover, well, wait a minute, we, it's easy to think about something new. But the moment you try it out that's when you start to discover what you need and what here we're still lacking. And I always think of the 
an analogy with cooking. There's no one in the world that is a Michelin star uh, after the first day they, they've entered the kitchen. But the greatest Michelin stars all started with burned food, with uh, a lack of seasoning, with totally failed cakes and, and, uh, and, and miserable taste combinations. And it is by learning from their mistakes and by tasting and trying again and trying harder and getting advice and reading, etc. That's how gradually they become these Michelin stars. And that is exactly the kind of growth path that I have in mind for this new channel. It's let's start simple. And if we fail, we fail publicly. And we fail not in front of people, but with the people that we are trying to reach. This is something that we do together. And so I don't mind it if some people are like posting stuff like, Oh, it failed miserably. Yet another project of Father Roderick that... uh, is a total failure and some people just revel into kind of degrading other people never understood that mechanism but for some people it clearly helps them to feel better so good for them but um you know what it's the way it's the only way to really grow it's the only way to really improve it is to include failure as an ingredient of your of the process doesn't mean that it has to fail all the time but I'd rather fail on a technical level than in 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 trying to in accomplishing what we what our true goals are, and that is not to do a perfect job, but it is to reach people and to encourage them and show them that we try, and that if we fail, then perhaps they can help us. And that is, I think, what what binds people together. We you always want to help someone who is struggling with something, and if you can help in any way then you'll you'll do that but you first have to see the other person struggle that's kind of what i hope will be kind of the the chemistry between us and our audience um i've been very happy with the the way we've been received by our our the people that we have been able to reach so far let me turn left i'm by the way i'm walking in the park forgetting to describe my surroundings but it is still a winter park there are no leaves on the trees it's just a few ones here that just are too strong to survive the cold it's mostly um, mostly plants but the trees will take a while it'll take a couple of months I think before this starts to to uh, blossom again but um, I uh, what was I saying I don't know <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> uh, we 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 you get you, you got you gotta jump you gotta start and uh, uh, people were very enthusiastic and encouraging and this is definitely something that we don't have uh, in in my country and in this part of the world and I hope that we can still always that we can do both both uh, um, that we can bring quality information and uh, and 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 th- that our quality over time can compete with other entertainment and information that is out there so I do think we have to push ourselves to do the best we can but on the other hand uh, much more important that we kind of stay of, uh, in the middle of things and that we n- never become frustrated or sour or bitter or uh, vindictive or choose a camp or whatever th- th- what I'm happy with is that uh, with our current team we all know exactly why we do this and that motivation is not to make programs 
but our motivation is to encourage people and to hear their stories. And you make more friends by listening to someone than by telling someone something. And that is exactly what, what I hope that we can do in everything that we do. So our first attitude should be, can I serve? Can, can you help me? Can you help us instead of the other way around? And if you help us, then, we'll, then we, can, we can learn from that and spread that around. And hopefully that's what we need in the church. In, in dire times, in difficult times, when everybody starts to become insecure, there, there is the risk that you become bitter or you uh, conjure up a common enemy and you get this, this combative attitude. Um, but that usually doesn't really work. It does give you a little boost of, you know, I'm still standing strong and I'm defending my territory. And, but if you're defending your territory and losing overall battle, then that's a very, very frustrating experience. And I'd rather be, you know, we're, all, we're in a difficult situation. But in every dark moment, there is also light. In every disaster, there are always helping hands and people that care for each other and ultimately isn't that what matters rather than the overall success isn't you know success and failure are always relative especially if you can if you look at the history of the church we're talking about centuries so how can we say that everything will end and that this is of a big failure and uh, we'll never we, we don't have a future anymore i'm always thinking well who knows perhaps 50 years from now this was just a temporary, you know, transition time. Or, uh, I mean, World Youth Day showed us that even though in our countries perhaps churches and, and faith is having a hard time, but in other parts of the world it is stronger than ever and it's really empowering people to not only come together but to change their country and to change their culture. So that's all a, a point. You can't really judge history from the point of view where you currently are and it doesn't really matter because those are usually processes that you can barely influence what truly matters is how do you how do you deal with a situation like that or not only how do you deal with the situation but what do you do when you're in a certain given circumstance which is really oftentimes a given circumstance you can't change it i can't change the fact that my diocese is uh, losing churches faster than i'm losing hair on my head <laughs> <laughs> and I can't, I can't change the fact that we only have a very limited... I think we have about 25 active priests left. Or we're getting there. So that means that... At least like diocesan priests. It means that we go from 340 parishes when I was ordained to 25 parishes perhaps in a few years from now. I can't change that. I can't fix it either. That's an illusion to think that you can fix that. But what I can do is given the circumstances how can we build something how can we help each other how can we live out our faith and I mean there's, there's no moment that Jesus is with his apostles and turns around and is like dudes I'm, I'm quitting this we're, well, we've been walking around for several weeks now we're still tw the 12 of you yeah whenever I do like a miracle of walk on water and multiply bread then we have a few thousand of people but as soon as there's no a new new miracle they're back home and you know what good is that no what matters is what he does he does I mean, he doesn't count he doesn't calculate um but he's helping people he's healing them and he's reconnecting them with god and with the community 
that's that's it. And that's what the apostles did. They didn't have, like, of course they they had a certain ambition and a certain desire and hopes and whatnot. But they just did what they did, and and then from then on, the next generation took it over, and they did they added to it, and then that's what ultimately brings us to here. So I'm perfectly glad to play a small part in this, but I would only be super depressed to think that everything depends of, on of, of what I do. And that's, of course, never the case. Also in other circumstances in life, what you can do is to try to do everything you do with a great heart, with love, with courage and persistence. And then that in itself is already something to be thankful for, that you can do that. And, and if that's it, well, then that's it. I've been reading a book, which may surprise you because of the title. Uh, <laughs> it may surprise you that I'm reading it. It's, it's a very popular, like a number one seller, bestseller in a lot of bookstores and on airports, etc. It's the Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. And then, of course, the F stands for the F word. And, uh, well, normally not a book I would pick up, but I heard good things about it. Always eager to learn, so I'm reading this book. And it's not a self-help help book, and it's not even about what the title says. The Art of Not Giving a Bleep. Or how do you say that uh, in, a, in a more appropriate way? The, the subtle art of not giving a fig. Isn't that what they say? Anyway. It is, it is about caring. And it's very much about... There's one or two chapters in the beginning where the F word is used like every other sentence. But I'm suspecting that that is a commercial... You know, it's like it's a way to sell your books. It's by, it, that word, in, at least in North America, has shock value. Not in Europe, unfortunately. We are more used to much, much worse language. <laughs> but um, but it's, you have to kind of look through that or look past it. What the book is ultimately about it is about, yes, what you need in life is to care. But to care about the things that matter. And to always relativize your own life, your own... Uh, accomplishments and uh, in a certain way be humble about w- what what you are and what you can do it doesn't mean you have you can't be ambitious but it's always it, your life doesn't depend on it on success it doesn't you, you, happiness is not coming from um, a su- successful career or by accomplishing things or but it even uh, kind of pushes back against that trend of uh, for instance, um, uh, optimizing your life, like these uh, super organizers, and I've been one of them, still am for for a certain part, that want to make every minute of their life count, and everything has to be super efficient, and I need to have inbox zero, and I need to be able to... Uh, push myself and be an early riser to go the, the, the millionaire morning and this like this book is well okay yeah you can do that lots of people do there's a whole market around that of self-help books that uh, uh, tr- are people buy because they're triggered not because their life is worthless but because they feel that their life is only worth something if they accomplish something if they grow rich quick or if they uh, 
have a fantastic career that makes everyone jealous or uh, this book is I think more of a a, a, a dare well, why don't you try something else because most of us are not extraordinary and most of our careers are not uh, so follow your dream that sounds fantastic but only a few people actually really do or are successful in doing a lot of people follow their dreams and they fail miserably <laughs> And they they borrow tons of money to, you know, open their uh, bakery for a green-colored custard pudding. And then they discover that there is no market for it. But it was their dream. They're a lifelong dream. I want to be the green, green custard king or queen. And so eh, I like that this book is going against the grain of a lot of current trends. Um, also, the, the, the trend of... Uh, this self-aggrandizing uh, temptation. Uh, and and I, the book is describing several people like uh, cases where I can totally see sometimes myself, sometimes people that I know, experience that I've had. It's very, very relatable. And the question is always why? Why should you care so much about things that ultimately really don't matter? Don't, don't matter to you are not going to change the world and so it's kind of sometimes the book says think small but think small because if small is good for you and why think bigger as if bigger and better and more is going to make you a better person or a, a bigger contribution to the world or, a, or happier that's, that's not true and, and there's a lot of moments in the book where I had to pause and think, wait a minute, I've been reasoning like that, and yeah, why? It, it was a very, it was exactly the right book I needed to read. Um, while I was kind of thinking of, oh, provided I'm not getting ill, provided I'm not getting overworked or burnout or whatever, it, it, it was asking the right questions. It's what do you truly care about and that is and what is worth caring about and that should motivate what you do and that's different from pursuing your dreams because um, dreams sometimes come from the feeling of not being uh, good enough and always thinking that the grass on the other side is greener which is never true but this is like if small is good for you then by all means, keep it small. Bigger, better, more efficient inbox zero is may make some people very happy, but it's a rush. It's a uh, there's a the whole section of um, addictions, and it's not just addictions of uh, uh, when it comes to uh, substances or alcohol or whatever smoking, but it's this addiction that we as a society often have, and I've been influenced by that as, as well. It's the rush, the addiction to the rush of doing something that matters, that puts me on the map, that makes a difference. It's this, uh, and instead of pursuing the, the rush and uh, the uh, endorphins that come from uh, accomplishing something that other people said was impossible, instead of that, find the dare to be mediocre in a certain way dare to be normal and but find your 
um, your your worth. Don't link your worth to something that still that you still have to do. You're, it's an, it's it's good enough to be who you are. And uh, also, it doesn't negate the problems that people face. Or there's a whole chapter which is very interesting about suffering. And where where you know, and this is always, of course, controversial, and the writer explains why. That suffering is a choice. Uh, that, of course, is a very um, insensitive statement. Suffering is a choice. Well, of course, there are a lot of people that suffer um, with and and have hardship, and he acknowledges that, uh, and it's uh, it's outside of their control. So why do you? But oftentimes we suffer because we're looking at a situation. Um, from the perspective of, but I want something else. I want something. I have a right to have something else, and 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 we suffer unnecessary because we choose the wrong perspective. We we feel that we don't. We're not remunerated enough. We don't. You know, people should acknowledge my work, my hard work. I need to be validated, and we feel basically that we are not loved enough for who we are and what we do and we think that if only people would see how 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 well I'm doing and how hard I'm working then that would ultimately make give me that feeling of being good enough and it's not and if you if you look from another if you take another perspective in exactly the same situation um, you could also look at things from a totally positive uh, situation like um, but I am able to do this I'm, I'm not tied to bed with uh, an incurable cancer or whatever so I'm, I'm working I'm doing things I'm helping people is this the best that is possible is it the most I could do no obviously not or I'm failing and I'm not super efficient I'm human well, at least I can do this for other people. How great is that? How wonderful is that? So it's th- whether you're really suffering of, and I've I've been hunting that acknowledgement, and I've been very distra- distraught when some people burn me on the on the internet or criticize me or depict me in a according to me wrongful way, and I mean I'm uh, indignant and I hurt, and, and I was like, well, but that's something out of my control but I'm still I'm doing something I'm trying something and well maybe I fail or maybe it's not good enough for some people but that's not my problem and that shouldn't make me unhappy so it's 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 in many ways a book that make, makes me think I haven't even finished it what I'm very curious about is that it ends with a chapter about mortality and embracing the fact that you're going to die and I thought that was a very Two dogs. Very curious about this strange microphone that looks like prey in their eyes. I've got the windshield on, so it looks like a <laughs> like a a marmot or something like that, or a little mouse. Um, the uh, th- now I lost my train of thought. Now I'm thinking of dogs. <laughs> Two cute dogs. Uh, oh, anyway, um, it's. It, so the, yeah, the last chapter is about mortality, and that's rare to in a, in a society in a culture that uh, tries to evade the topic of our own finite existence. It's embracing it, 
and accepting it and seeing it as a gift instead of a, 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 a menace at the horizon that will uh, curtail us. Very similar, by the way, to, uh, uh, if I may digress, uh, to the way that, that Tolkien has the elves thinking about death. The mortality of man is a gift from Iluvatar, which is the god in, in Middle-earth, um, instead of a deprivation and a, and a disadvantage over elves. And then that, I'm curious to see what this author will write about that. So, um, despite the title, I think it's, it's, it's worth a read because it goes against so many of those... Um, the, the things that you hear a lot, <laughs> the the motivational speeches and the and 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 it it asks I think very valid good questions about what will truly make us happy. With there's uh, there's a lot in there that I recognized that the things that I've been doing and pursuing. It's also I also recognize sometimes other people in it and. Uh, what I like about the book is that it is never um, telling me like that is wrong or that, but it just thinks it through. It's what, is that truly what you're what you're caring for, or should that be one of the things that deserves the subtle art of giving a <laughs> bleep? <laughs> and those those are good questions, and those are actually also, in a certain way, religious questions. It's the way that uh, I think uh, uh, Saint Francis, for instance looks at his past life, all the things he cared for, the acknowledgement of his father, the success of, his, uh, of, his, of the business, the, how many girlfriends he could score, the number of parties that he could attend. And then he realizes, you know what, this doesn't make me happy. And I see these old guys in the woods and they're called hermits and they have nothing they don't even clothe. <laughs> they just live in these grottos and have... And they and somehow they seem to have a better life than I have, because I'm constantly wanting and I'm constantly needing more, and uh, and I don't I don't have that inner peace that I see with these hermits, and so he starts to emulate that and and uh, imitates it. And in a certain way, the moment that he stands in front of his father and and takes off his clothes and is embraced by the bishop is the moment that he actually says I, I want to be hermit and in a way he's, he has been a hermit uh, more than that though but uh, it's, it's one of those moments where St. Francis I think asks himself the question what do I really care about and all these things that I thought were, were going to be my are, are going to result in a fulfilling life are leaving me empty so what is really worth giving a a Francis about <laughs> anyway so those are good questions to keep in mind when you're pursuing new new dreams and ideals and it's definitely what I'm doing currently is has been my dream but the moment I started to become really unhappy was when I was got too fixated I think on on the success and the immediate success of things and the the kind of the the triggers of people liking and supporting and and if that doesn't happen right away well, if you only build your the, the your fulfillment, your uh, um, self worth on that, and that's not going to be a good uh, way forward. So, 
that book came at the right moment, I think, for me. Uh, what else is uh, happening right now? We are learning hard from all the mistakes that we made. So next Thursday we have another, or this upcoming Thursday, we've got another live show that we're going to record. We decided to uh, record a semi-live. So it's going to be live with people on location, but I'm first going to record it, and then um, I want to, do, want to be able to do some editing or have someone edit it and uh, make it look good. It, it is a little bit more of an investment, and currently we really don't have the resources for that, but it is a small investment, and I think the, the, uh, the advantage of investing a little bit more in help with that, with the technical side of things, can make me free for more creative endeavors, other creative endeavors. Always stay in your zone of excellence in a certain way. Do what, what no one else can do, and you can do really well. That's what I try to do, without, you know, counting on that to make me super happy. Perhaps uh, my zone of excellence will sometimes yield less excellent results, but it doesn't matter. It's, it's important that I try. And that way. So that, that, uh, one of the things um, that I uh, currently do is I'm making a wish list of stuff and people that I need. And it's a big wish list. Like, I, you know, doing a talk show with a webcam, bad idea. But it's the only thing we can afford because I need the, the uh, Canon 80D for my television work. And I don't want to. Uh, experience again what I experienced on last Tuesday which was crazy I um, we had a, a bit of a, a problem with uh, finishing a number of TV shows before the winter break and so I was counting on having some time off, didn't have time off ultimately, or very little and then when the new year began we had the new channel that was uh, around the corner and we planned we made this planning for the TV episodes months in advance with a lot of uh, you know hopes that we would be uh, in a better place than we actually are and so there was this um, deadline looming on the horizon for two more episodes or three more episodes that we had to produce before we could get a little bit of a break and um I'm constantly, okay, what can I do, what can I do? Um, we need to work simple, efficiently, um, but still, it's got to be a good story. And it's winter, the weather is lousy, nothing is happening, uh, there were no easy stories to tell. So, uh, via a number of, uh, uh, like a bit of Googling and then looking at some stuff, I finally find this guy who uh, is a permanent deacon, uh, retired, lives with his wife in the north of the country and is a puppeteer and a, a poet and a writer and a storyteller and um, I like I gotta go just interview this guy this is a very very he makes these he does these these theater plays about the life of saints and uh, tells all sorts of not just religious stories but all sorts of stories very um uh a creative a real artist even the way he looks it's like a, a someone who's absolutely out of the ordinary so I gotta go there but we're running out of time my editor really needs a week to put the TV episode together we 
can't wait anymore. So I'm calling him up, and he's like, okay, well, I don't know. Thursday is going to be difficult, and Friday I can't. Saturday, now the weekend is gone. I was like, oh, but this show has to be ready. Yeah, actually, tonight is the uh, deadline for the final result. So I ask him, what about today? That was on Tuesday, Tuesday morning. And he's like, well, today, yeah, that's fine. I'll get some friends over for dinner, but they don't mind if there's a camera walking around. But then I'd, I'd be quick if I were you, but because they've predicted snow, snowstorms. Like I'm looking at the map and I'm looking at the weather forecast and the radar, the projected uh, snowstorm. Like it's right over the highway that leads to where he lives. And that's uh, about a uh, a little less than two hours from where I live up north. And it's a tiny little village on a dike probably. or It's it's pretty remote. There's a big likelihood that they haven't... Uh, cleared the snow there. It's not. Uh, it's not a highway. Final part. Like okay, well, and exactly that morning, Martin, who's normally accompanying me for uh, uh, productions like this, he was out of town. He had other ob- obligations, so only Inga was at the office. And so I walk up to the office, like uh, her her uh, office, and look. I need to go to uh, Friesland. I need to go film a, a, a TV show. Um, are you able to come along? And so she dropped everything and we went there. On the way to that um, village, there was no snow. We were, we were literally on the fringe of the snow front. It was coming from the west. And it was covering the entire country in uh, several inches of snow. And so the moment we arrived, it starts snowing and... Uh, there was already snow in that village when we arrived, but it looked beautiful. It was this fresh snow, and so I like, okay, this is a given situation. I don't, have no idea if we're going to be back alive, but I'm going to take advantage of this to tell a story, but to give it the atmosphere of, uh, of a beautiful winter village in the north of the country. And fortunately for me, um, that uh, Peter was his name, the, the poet, Puppeteer, a, a wonderful guy, uh, also a very friendly uh, wife, also artistic, uh, and and just a fascinating interview. And, and we, we we he showed me his puppets, and we went to the uh, upstairs, the attic where he creates his uh, his um, uh, his materials, are mostly the puppets, and then uh, he's got this writing room which is covered from the full ground to the ceiling with books and and papers and everything was was radiating atmosphere and story and he himself was like all over the place (laughs) very (laughs) similar to to uh how i can be at times uh, like going from just jumping in all directions and uh, there was never a dull moment in the interview and so when we wanted to go back it was around five i think so we, we uh, it's just one of those moments where everything just g- flows. I didn't really have to work. I just followed what was happening, and that was the story. And so in, I think, two and a half hours, we had everything. Uh, I felt confident this is enough for a TV show. Um, so we then went home. But then the snow had already covered most of the Netherlands. And... Uh, 
fortunately traffic was very um, very careful everybody was driving at a slow speed um, but there were a few points on the on the road where uh, fortunately thanks to Google who de- Google detected the problem areas and, and guided us around it uh, but it, it, it did take uh, several hours to get back home and there were some moments where I was like okay this is very slippery that's always when I'm glad that we have guardian angels um, I don't know if my personal guardian angel has snow shoveling abilities but uh, <laughs> perhaps they they uh, called some extra personnel up there in heaven but we did arrive safe and sound but it was a an exhausting day and it absolutely did not budget for for that kind of work and then that was followed um, on Wednesday I tried to take it easy but on Thursday just so much stress so much work that, that was too much but it's over now and it's, it's kind of like a one-time investment and uh, for the next couple of weeks I'm, I have two more TV shows that I'm working on uh, one and this also has to do with uh, limited means and limited budget um, we're trying to free up some budget for the uh, for, an, for another project that is linked I was almost going to divulge what it was but it's still a secret but <laughs> for another project that I'm going to do for the same company for the same TV company that I work for but we need to reallocate some of the budget that was reserved for the TV show so I'm trying to find easier ways to produce some episodes and uh, one of them is um, I'm going to take material that I've already filmed in Italy and I've, has already I, I'd already uh, edited uh, that content into a TV show about uh, St. Valentine uh, it was about two years ago and I went looking for this this mysterious saint that is one of the most well known saints but where many people ask themselves is this a real saint or is this just you know one of those mythological figures and there's a lot of nonsense on the inter- internet and if you look for YouTube videos about St. Valentine you see basically mythology has nothing to do with the real Valentine. So I followed those traces, uh, traveled to uh, through Italy, through Rome, uh, to uh, what was it, uh, Trani, or what's a town in Italy where the remains of the martyr are are, are kept. It was good material. It's still filmed when I look at it. I just before I started recording, quickly looked at uh, what I had, what I already had, and I can totally immediately like oh. D- d- Ay, 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 that was two years ago uh, with my old camera. And it's, it's funny, but I immediately think, how much have I grown in the meantime and, and I've become better in filming? But it's still, it's a good story. I mean, it's not filmed perfectly, but it's a good enough story. What I'm going to do is I'm going to retell that story so I don't have to go back to Italy, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but I have that basic material. I'm going to add some new material. And I'm going to retell the story differently. And I'm going to start with relics in our altar, the altar of the Holy Cross Church, my, my parish church. Um, relics of St. Valentine, which is pretty rare in my country. And then from there, I'm going to basically look at other places in my country where Valentine is venerated. There's a small village in the south of the country where they have a candle procession on 
his feast. There is a chapel dedicated to St. Valentine. That's pretty unique in the Netherlands. So that's a totally different uh, beginning um, start of the, of the story. Then we'll go to Italy. And I have a lot of leftover material that I didn't include in the first uh, version of this story that I want to include. So it hopefully will save me some time in putting this together. So I do save uh, resources but it's still a way to... And that show will be aired just a few days before the Feast of St. Valentine. So it's topical. Um, that's one. And then the second episode also will also have to be kind of a hack in a certain way. I don't have time now uh, with a new channel uh, requiring so much attention to go out and film a new TV episode until un- unless I encounter a story that is like, right for grabs. But... I don't expect something to pop up between now and next week. But then I'm going to um, see if I can edit, or I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to uh, ask someone to take my uh, footage from previous years uh, from France and to tell a story with that material about Catholic churches and Catholic culture in the country of France, which is a very well-known country for most of my uh, fellow Dutchmen, because it's one of the most popular vacation countries, vacation destinations in the Netherlands. So everybody has a already um, is is interested in France. And France is a beautiful country, beautiful culture. I I so I went through a lot of my old material, and I was dismayed to see that I filmed a lot of that. Um, still trying to become a vlogger Um, and so there is a ton of vlogging style filming going on and also uh, uh, commentary on camera in English and it's time and again it's like hey I'm Father Roderick the geek priest and you're watching my vlog and please subscribe leave your comments totally unusable for a Dutch TV show I think my viewers would freak out if I would suddenly talk English to the camera. So, what I can do, or try to do, take the content, because I'm explaining things, I'm telling people where I am in English, take that content and put it in a voiceover. So that will require some editing skills to make it seem as if it was filmed on purpose for my TV show instead of for a goofy vlog that never went anywhere. But it's also just a way of, if you can't, (laughs) if things don't go as they should, then they should go, uh, well, there's this saying, I forget. If, if you, if it, if, if it is, if you can't do it, the way it should then it should be done the way it can something like that (laughs) so um, keep it simple again don't it's not the end of the world if those TV episodes are not brand new material and filmed at the highest standards if it tells a good story it's good enough and in the meantime it'll save me energy and time for other projects that are ultimately uh, much more important so that is uh, kind of what I'm doing the other thing I think I've already mentioned this before so I'm trying to uh, uh, film from now on in such a way that it can be translated into English 
and that too is something I'm still kind of developing mentally how can I do that in an efficient way I think one way to do this is by having these Dutch episodes uh, translated instead of trying to do that myself or re-edit it way too much work I'll just hire a company to do that for us there are some specialized companies that are do just that they translate from Dutch into other languages and, and vice versa tell them I want everything that is said in this episode on paper in English and then I may have to look around internationally a little bit then have other people and myself also do the do the voiceovers and um, if, for instance if, if I do an interview in, in, in Italian or in, in Dutch uh, have someone just do dub it not dub it not lip sync it but just dub it like you see a lot in in international documentaries that are made available for an, for an English-speaking audience. That in itself, I mean, it will cost me more than if I would do it myself, but it would, if I would do it myself, it would cost me time, which is much more valuable than money. So, uh, thinking of... of exa- if I can make that work, we'll have to start with a pilot or something like that, then that could also guarantee this year a steady uh, um, influx of new material for uh, for you uh, for my international audience and so it would again make it would cut both both ways with the same effort we can reach more people and do more without it costing more than a little bit of extra money money is never the problem time is resources and talent is so that's what, I, that's what I'm currently working on. And, uh, yeah, I'm pretty... I mean, it's also because the sun is shining, feeling good about it. The only thing I hope is that I, I'm still a bit under the weather. So tomorrow is my day off. This time I am going to take a day off, no matter what happens. So, uh, but before that, I'm uh, recording my, my podcasts and bringing you this stuff. And then you'll see me next week. So thanks for listening. What what is this noise? Holy moly! It's a generator in a in a truck. Oh, I see. Oh, the, the entire this is very close to where I live. This is what I've been hearing most of the day. They are renovating the facades of the houses in the street. And uh, this generator is uh, is uh, giving energy to the, uh, I guess, the equipment or something like that of the people that are doing that. But I, I had to record a couple of voiceovers the other day. And there was this drone in the background. I'm like, ah. I was like, no, don't do this. Uh, that's a downside of working in media. You sometimes need silence, and silence in a city is hard to find. It's a rare commodity, but anyway, we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll do something. Thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, if, if you are a sponsor or patron. Thank you so much for your support. Spread the word. Uh, recommend the show to people you know. Little things, but they help a lot. And I will talk to you soon. Take care and God bless. <laughs>